Asri Report on Sabahul Muslim. For the Asri Report this morning, we're joined by Muhammad Kaji, uh, Executive Director at Asri. Muhammad, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and uh, welcome. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Mulana. Jazakallah khairan. It's always a pleasure to be with you and the listeners on a Friday morning. Jumaa Mubarak to everyone. Jazakumullah khairan for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you on Radio Islam International. Uh, Muhammad, let's start off with your thoughts and uh, analysis of the President's State of the Nation address last night. Well, Mulana, my first impression while the President was speaking was that it sounded very much like a speech you should hear at an ANC elective conference. You know, rather than that as a State of the Nation address to all South Africans. And I think the sentiment has been expressed across the board from uh, many kind of journalists and political analysts and so on. But, you know, understandably so, we're in a situation where this is a national televised address, we're in an election year, um, you know, the media coverage that the SONA receives is substantial, you know, we're talking about it this morning, and obviously all of the headlines in all of the online publications and newspapers and, you know, uh, radio stations and so on would be discussing and analyzing the SONA. Um, so from this perspective, it makes sense for the president to use the platform to blow the ANC's trumpet and kick off the ANC's election campaign. You know, it did, however, I felt make Cyril come across less as a statesman and more as a politician. And I think that was, you know, probably a, a mistake on his part, you know, because the feeling was that it was somewhat disconnected from the reality that um, citizens are experiencing on the ground in terms of you know, the delivery of services and the efficiency and effectiveness uh, of government in terms of keeping its promises. You know, So, you know, I'll tell you the reason I feel that it, it was disconnected from reality. It's because, you know, we really have had a tale over the last 30 years, and Cyril has kind of framed his speech last night within this kind of story of 30 years from, you know, Mandela's years up to up to him now, and he kind of tried to make the connection between Mandela and himself and so on. You know, but we really had a tale of two, or I call it one administration and the other was a regime, right? So the first administration was the Mandela and Mbeki administrations, 94 up until 2008. And then, you know, you know, we had the Zuma years that I referred to as the Zuma regime, you know, with massive gains made between 94 and 2008 in terms of the country and the economy and, you know, poverty alleviation and access to electricity and water and all those kinds of things that, you know, the president spoke about last night. And, you know, majority of those gains, if not 80 or 90 percent of those gains were actually made during like the 94 to 2008 years. And then, you know, we had this massive regression from 2011 or so up until um, to date. And, you know, it was a bit, it felt a bit of a facade to say, you know, that all of these gains have been made over the last 30 years when really those gains were really made up until 2008, 2010. And, you know, um, there, there has been regression in that front. So he referred to poverty alleviation, for example. Yes, you know, massive poverty alleviation up until 2011. But from 2011 to now, poverty in South Africa has actually increased and not decreased. So if you look at it on a 30-year timeline, yes, you see the poverty alleviation uh, curve going downwards, but if you look at it on a, you know, 12-year timeline or 14-year timeline, the the shift is actually in the opposite direction. So I felt that that was a bit 
um a bit of a facade on his part you know he you know the last point on this is he hit some of the key themes that we expected him to hit you know on the economy reforming reforming state owned enterprises creating jobs poverty alleviation you know the reform of sars the national prosecuting authority but we've heard it all before you know the discussion around escom and breaking up escom into three entities uh transmission generation and uh, distribution i think it was you know we heard that in Cyril's like state of the nation address i think it might have been way back in 2019 or 2020 it might have actually been the first sona that he gave when he was le- elected um after the 2019 election so you know that's that's kind of the sentiment that we've heard it all before but there isn't really any basis for us to believe that load shedding is going to end you know he says that load shedding is going to end we've had load shedding on an ongoing basis from i think it was december or november last year and the first load shedding that we had as a country was back in 2007 so you know he's kind of like this leader that has these amazing ideas and puts it out there to everyone but the you know the administration under his control really isn't able to operationalize and deliver all of those kind of promises now, now mohammed is there, is there not some th- truth uh, though that his administration ramaphosa's administration has made at least some gains after the disaster of the zuma administration look definitely there is some truth in it um you know that if we look at the the situation that we were in as a country when towards the end of the zuma administration i think if you recall monana we were talking about the fiscal cliff right that south africans at this fiscal cliff where we if we continue on this trajectory we we stood the the uh, the high risk of becoming a highly indebted state where we weren't able to pay back our our debt as a country in terms of our debt to gdp and so on and i think the projections were that if we had to continue on that trajectory of uh the country taking on debt from the international debt markets we would have passed 90 to 100% in terms of our debt to gdp so yes there have been some gains in sta- terms of stabilizing uh the economic situation in the country and you know like i said sars for example uh the national prosecuting authority and so on and i i i kind of came up with an analogy to describe this you know so if we if we imagine a ship that's sailing at sea it's well maintained its pumps are working you know 94 to 2008 it's doing quite well it's you know um taking a leadership role in africa in terms of the african union in terms of you know nepad which was tabung back is kind of key initiative as the new partnership for africa's development and so on and then you know 2008 to to uh maybe let's say 2017 18 the ship is starting to be paid off for scrap the electrical pump start working stop working the ship starts taking on water you know we had the situation of civil society and the judiciary like hopping on board and trying to keep bailing out the ship so it doesn't it doesn't sink and then you have you know Cyril taking over as a captain and let's not forget he was part of the crew in that 2008 to 2017 period um and then uh you know he takes over as the captain of the ship um but really where we at is that the ship is stuck on open waters it has no propulsion it's still taking on water but only just staying afloat 
And so, you know, that feeling of being stuck in the mud or not making progress or not actually uh, driving forward quite effectively and aggressively in terms of the speed and the necessity with which he needed to move forward. I think that's like the overwhelming sentiment that, you know, the urgency and the the speed at which he needs to actually implement the reforms that everybody has been asking him of uh, or his administration of has, has really not happened. So, yes, there is progress, right? We haven't gone down the fiscal cliff, but, you know, is just keeping the ship afloat really the progress that everybody wants? Not at all. And I, I should make a point here that, you know, um, one of the kind of bright lights in this administration has really been the last six months in terms of the, the, the country showing international leadership with the International Court of Justice um, and the, taking the case to, to the International Court of Justice in terms of, of the Gaza war being, being a genocide. And, you know, I, I was quite surprised also that he didn't really uh, spend a lot more time on that in, in the SONA speech. I think there's been a feeling that South Africa also regressed fundamentally in terms of international affairs, leadership in Africa and the world, you know, there have been, there has been successes in terms of the Ramaphosa administration with BRICS, for example, uh, leading BRICS last year, the addition of additional members into BRICS, and, um, and obviously the, the global leadership that South Africa has shown when it came to, to the case, uh, taking the case to the International Court of Justice. Um, and I felt that, you know, that could have been something that he could have uh, spoken about in his speech much more kind of confidently and forthrightly and maybe much earlier on was in his speech, even perhaps, you know, opening it, uh, opening his speech with it. But like I said, you know, it is an election year. The, the election is still very much going to be about domestic issues, about governance, about corruption, about uh, the delivery of services. And so, you know, I guess we can explain the choices that he made in Sona on on that basis. But yeah, okay, you know, I will concede that there has been progress compared to the Zuma years. But, uh, you know, compared to the Mandela and, and Mbeki years, I think that the progress isn't of the same caliber as what we saw during uh, that 94 to 2008 years of leadership by uh, Mandela and Mbeki. And Mohammed, now the election is due as earlier as May this year, right? Uh, we had the DA federal chairperson yesterday say that their data is showing the DA and IFP have sufficient votes in KZN. Uh, and there was uh, an uh, Ipsos poll also released during the week showing where the, the major parties are polling in the provinces. Does anything stand out for you in, in the data, Mohammed? Yeah, so there was a few things that stood out for me in the data. And, and just to describe to the listeners as best I can what the data looked like, it gave, it gave kind of proportional votes that the major parties were going to get in each of the provinces. So, you know, the ANC, the DA, the EFF, um, and uh, several other parties were then uh, compiled into other parties. You had a, a, a category which was uh, undecided voters or, or voters that, that, uh, were not going to vote, and then you had a category of people who refused to to declare who they were going to vote for. Um, and this poll was done, I think it was 9,000 9, participants, 
and um, it was done with only registered voters. So we know the voters' roll is going to close imminently. We had the last voter registration that happened this weekend. Anyone who still isn't registered to vote and, and would like to register to vote can go to the the IEC website, I think it's elections.org.za, and they can still register to vote online. But the, the voters' roll will imminently close as soon as the president announces the date of the election, which I think is expected to be very soon. Some people are saying Monday that he'll declare the elections. And as soon as the date of the election is, is declared, the voters' roll closes, and then the IEC basically prepares the voters' roll for the election. So... You know, that's the last opportunity for people to register to vote. But coming back to your question, Bonana, so so some surprises, right? The one surprise was that in the Western Cape, the DA was polling in the mid-40s. Um, you know, you could argue that that could be perhaps due to sentiment around the DA and the DA's position that they've taken on the Gaza war, for example, but also, you know, related to the crime of incumbency, that there is an expectation that the incumbents would have delivered on their promises, and then they get judged against the promises that they don't deliver. Um, we saw some numbers for Gauteng that were much lower than I expected. I think the ANC numbers in Gauteng were looking as low as the cities, um, but there was also a substantial number of uh, participants of the poll who refused to declare who they were going to vote for or were undecided. And then as you've you've uh, alluded to or, or referred to was Helen Villa yesterday referring to the numbers of their own data in KwaZulu-Natal, which did match with this Ipsos, Ipsos poll that, you know, the DA and the IFP in KwaZulu-Natal does look like they have the uh, the numbers to be able to take uh, over government in KwaZulu-Natal if that comes through in the elections, you know, um, and for, for KwaZulu-Natal to change hands. Um, if we recall and we go back all the way to 1994, I'm not sure how many listeners would remember this, but, you know, um, in the first election, uh, the IFP did incredibly, incredibly well in KwaZulu-Natal. Um, and they were quite a substantial force within KwaZulu-Natal. And we have seen this trajectory of the IFP regaining some ground in KwaZulu-Natal uh, after, you know, Zuma leaving the ANC and uh, and the issues within within the ANC in KwaZulu-Natal. So, you know, I think that um, for me, as we've said regularly, the two provinces to watch that are really kind of major urban economic centers of the country are Gauteng and KwaZulu-Natal. Those two uh, provinces have quite substantial drops for the ANC. We've also seen in the numbers a surprising gain for the EFF. I think we felt that the EFF would remain at the kind of 10 to 12% level. There were kind of gains for the EFF up to 18% in some cases. Um, so, you know, and then a surprise for me was the free state. I saw the, in this poll, I saw the ANC dropping below 50% in the free state, which I, I don't think was really expected. But you know, as they say, a day is a long time in politics, so we'll keep monitoring and watching it uh, month to month, day to day, as polls keep coming out closer to the, to the elections. Um, the next big event is obviously the, the the Minister of Finance's speech and the budget speech that's coming up later in February. And I think that, you know, we're going to keep our eyes closely on, on, the, uh, on the Minister of Finance's budget speech to see 
what allocations are made in terms of the budget towards, you know, social programs and towards governance and towards anti-corruption measures and so on that give meat to the to the president's sona, um, if any. Mohammed, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Jazakumullah khairan uh, for joining us uh, this morning, and, and Jazakumullah khairan for uh, the analysis and insight. That was uh, Muhammad uh, Kaji uh, with this morning's SV report.